Hello and welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short and I'm joined here by Scott Pianowski from Yahoo as we continue our annual position preview series. In our first episode, we previewed first base in preparation for 2023 fantasy baseball drafts. You can go back in our archives, check that one out if you haven't already. But today we're going to talk second base the top options, names to target and avoid, young players to watch, and much, much more. Scott, thanks for joining me here. How's it going? Doing great, man. Doing great. Uh, it's late January as we tape. It's probably early February when you're listening to this show, which means it's a great time to get into the fantasy game. All sorts of good stuff happened at Roto World. All sorts of good stuff happened at Yahoo where fantasy leagues are open. So get your band back together, get your roster together, and let's uh, let's build a championship team over at Yahoo Sports. Yep, let's, let's try to get people started here today uh, like we did last time, Scott. Um, before we get into the nitty-gritty, I wanted to do a little state of the position uh, with you here. So when you look at second base uh, as we begin our draft prep, how are you feeling about it? Um, is it deep? Where are the strengths? Where are the weaknesses? When you start thinking about what your draft might look like, uh, sort of your strategy, uh, what is your level of confidence uh, in the second base position? Oh, man, it's it's gross. It's ugly. I, I can't remember a year where the position made me this nervous. And and what, what also makes me nervous is like, I think a lot of us are going to like the same players. So we're going to be fighting over the same guys. So it's it's not like normally if, if you don't, if a position's gross, but you can identify three or four guys that you feel comfortable that you like more than the market, you're like, okay, fine. I'll have a lot of the, those players as my roster shares. I, I'm not sure there are right answers that I have that are unique this season at second base. I, this is a position. Look, I know when every season starts, you're like, okay, I got to figure out what where the closers are, and you know, starting pitching is so deep and so convoluted. I need to get a lot of work in there. A lot, of, a lot of years, you might think, oh, second base is no big deal. I'll, I'll just draft, you know, um, Carlos Hernandez in the 19th round, and I'll be fine. This is not a year to do that. You need to spend a lot of time at this position figuring out the nuances. We're going to try to do this today. And as I said during our first base show, I'm so glad we're doing these programs together because this is part of my prep. You know, I will alter my rankings after we finish this show based on some of the things we talk about and some of the things we agree and disagree on. And second base is hard this year. You got to solve it. You have to have an angle towards it. I hope we can come up with some stuff today that helps you. But my first thought is you're, you're, you're not going to be happy. This is usually a position I think you could go cheap on. You know, maybe it's a little bit like like in fantasy football for years, you could just go cheaper quarterback. You just kind of blow off the top guys. doesn't matter. I'll just pick up somebody in the waiver wire. And I felt that way about second base. I do not feel that way anymore. Right. It is sort of a hold your nose position if you don't get one of the top options. I think the upside, and we'll get into it a little bit, is that there's some injury rebound names that maybe you can bank on a little bit. So, so we'll get into that here as we move along. But before we do that, uh, make sure to download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news updates all season long, all spring long during spring training as some of these uh, position battles are figured out, fifth starters, closers. If you want to stay in tune, definitely download the Roto World app. Stay ahead of the competition. You can favorite players on your roster, get the latest injury updates, player news, much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today, so uh, be sure to download the Roto World app. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, 
Reese, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. To start off second base, let's take a look at what changed at second base this offseason. Like I said before in our first base episode, kind of a, in case you missed it during the offseason, most recent, Luis Arias traded from the Twins to the Marlins in that Pablo Lopez trade. I think Arias probably more of a first baseman uh, than a second baseman, but it looks like he might actually play second base with the Marlins. Uh, the pretty exciting trade, like a juicy trade, although Arias is always a bit tricky from a fantasy perspective, hits for average. Not a, not much else there, unfortunately, Scott. Yeah, he's a weird player, right? He, he's, a, he's a contact guy. He, he puts the ball in play better than anybody in baseball. But when you're drafting him, you're hoping that his batting average makes up for a lack of category juice. He's, he's a difficult kind of guy to. He, he's he's an unusual player. He doesn't fit the shape of today's baseball, and that's good. I like that. Like when Stephen Kwan came around and played a different, you know, kind of slap. You know, get the ball in play. Not don't hit the ball hard, but you know, make sure you're hitting it somewhere. I don't want everybody to swing from their heels and try to hit a home run, strike out thirty percent of the time. I need we need some differences in baseball. But I, that said, I think Arias is kind of a hard guy to. He fits. If you have him on your team, he's a player who will highly affect the way you shape the rest of your roster construction because you're going to have to make up his content, his power. But then again, you may be able to take on like a 30 home run guy who may hit 219. Right. Yeah. A Joey Gallo, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Hunter <laughs> um, Renfro or something like that. Yeah. yeah you're going to have to balance it out in some way and, you know, speed as far as that's concerned, too, because generally middle infielders is where you look for speed and outfield as well. So it's, it's all a, a, a big, uh, you know, it's a formula, basically, uh, to put together your roster in the end. Uh, Brandon Drury signed a two-year, $17 million contract with the Angels during the offseason. Had a really surprising year last year between the Reds and the Padres. Some big-time power. Has multi-position eligibility. Uh, now, now goes to the Angels. And I think what's fascinating about this with the Angels is that if everyone's healthy, I don't know if Brandon Drury is going to play every day, but can you count on Anthony Rendon to be healthy? Uh, probably not. I mean, it's it's kind of a mess there with the Angels, as we saw last season. But I like, at least from a real baseball perspective, that the Angels are guarding against that, building some quality depth there. They also acquired Gio Urshela from the Twins during the offseason. So I like the depth of the Angels, but I think it could put some playing time at risk for Drury. For sure, and it's it's always weird to to go after a player after he had a season we didn't see coming in the middle of his career. A lot of times those guys fall back to earth, and, and I agree with you, Anthony Rendon. I don't see him being healthy. It's just scary. He's he's not that old, you know. He's what he's thirty, thirty one years old, and, and it almost feels like his career is over. But I still see a top to every team here: Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and and Otani's future contract status kind of hanging over this team. I'm a little bit nervous that Drury turns into a pumpkin, but he's ADP priced so affordably that you still might draft into him anyway. Because the thing is, the market doesn't really believe in him either, so it's not like you have to pay a lot for him. Yep, yep, totally agree. Uh, Gene Segura signed with the Marlins, two years, $17 million. Don't really love that, uh, that fit there in that ballpark. Uh, and a weird lineup there for the Marlins, adding Arias, adding Gene Segura. What they needed was power in that lineup, so... You know, Segura maybe gets you 10 homers, 10 stolen bases. Late in the draft, that's fine as you're trying to, to fill out your roster, but not someone who's going to jump off the page. Colton Wong was traded from the Brewers to the Mariners uh, during the offseason. Je- Jesse Winker went the other way 
uh, to the Brewers in that trade. I think Wong's going to take a hit here. Um, obviously, the ballpark's a big change. Not as exciting to me from a fantasy perspective. But what I think is most interesting about what changed at second base this offseason is players changing positions. You look at players who were primarily second base, second baseman last year will be playing elsewhere. Jazz Chisholm, as a result of that trade uh, with Luis Arias, he's going to play center field with the Marlins. He volunteered to play center field. That is going to be an interesting experiment to watch this spring. Vaughn Grissom replacing Dansby Swanson at shortstop with the Braves. We'll definitely get a lot into Grissom as this show goes on. Gavin Lux uh, likely replacing Trey Turner at shortstop with the Dodgers. So a lot of interesting changes and also kind of depressing maybe because if they lose second base eligibility, that's going to make this position uh, even a little bit darker. Yeah, curious to see what Gavin Lux does with a job to call his own. He'll he'll play against all pitching. He'll finally move into a good lineup slot. Remember, he was hitting eighth or ninth. Dodgers have a super deep lineup, but that's not good for fantasy purposes. And that's a big part. Second base is a position, I think, we, we care where everybody hits, right? But the thing with second baseman a lot of times is a lot of times they hit first or second or they hit eighth or ninth, right? Like Colton Wong, for example, would normally hit near the top of a lineup. Right now he's projected to hit fifth for the for the Mariners. Doesn't really make sense to me, but he probably won't hit first or second. That could be a, a hit to his value. I like Lux moving up maybe three lo- roster spots and playing against all pitching. You know, Wong may platoon in Seattle, but Lux – He's an interesting guy because he's another post. We talk about post-type sleepers, right? Somebody who had a pedigree, somebody everybody was excited to draft. It hasn't happened for him. There's been some injury. There's been some playing time. Whenever a player finally has a job to call his own and he goes to the park every day and knows even if he went over nine the last two games, he's still in the lineup. He's not going to get jerked in and out of the lineup. I think a lot of times that magically coincides with a breakout year. I want to draft into Gavin Lux this season. Now, the only thing that makes me nervous is when a player moves to a more challenging defensive position, you just worry that that could have collateral damage too because that can be really draining on a player's confidence or it can just kind of be a distraction. It's You like them to move to easier positions on the defensive spectrum. Shortstop is a harder position. So we'll see how Lux balances that out. But the bottom line is the Dodgers are committed to him now. He's going to get health-permitting 600 at-bats. And I think the timing is right for Gavin Lux to finally pay off on the pedigree that we've all been excited about. So this is a perfect segue into players were buy, buying and fading uh, relative to their current average draft position. For me, I'm going to start this off here. I'm going to say Vaughn Grissom. Um, now, you just mentioned about players switching from uh, kind of a less demanding position to a more demanding position. Uh, and that's what we're going to see with Vaughn Grissom as he takes over shortstop for Dansby Swanson there with the Braves. The arm strength isn't great for Grissom. I worry defensively about what he could do there at shortstop. And especially during a time we've mentioned this in in the last episode, there's going to be shift restrictions. I I think athleticism in the infield is going to matter a lot this season. So just measuring that as well, I worry about the defensive part. The offensive part, I think there's also questions about Vaughn Grissom. I think he can get on base. I think he can hit for average, but I'm worried about the power. Last season, you look at the max exit velocity for Vaughn Grissom. It was in the 29th percentile. That was kind of surprising to me as I I did my research here for Grissom. Hit five homers, had five steals over 41 games last season uh, with the Braves. Also hit 291, but his XBA expected batting average was 259. So if he can't hit you 20 homers, if he's struggling defensively, 
if he's not hitting for average, I wonder if at a certain point the Braves say to themselves, I don't know if he's a regular player on a team that's going for a World Series championship. I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he ends up back in AAA this season. Maybe I'm dead wrong, but I have some concerns, especially for someone whose ADP is where it is, 187.39 on NFC right now. No, I think it's totally valid. I, I was disappointed that it seemed like Dansby Swanson wanted to come back and was willing to give the Braves a, a pretty good hometown discount, but the Braves were going to move on and spend the money elsewhere. And now, of course, Swanson is on the Cubs. And um, yep. I, I think he's actually a little bit underwrapped. I, I think it's kind of become a little hip to, to knock Dansby Swanson, but I'm still a Swanson guy. We'll get to him in the shortstop preview. But Grissom, I know it's a deep Atlanta lineup. Looks like he's going to bat ninth, so I, yep. I don't like that. Um, yeah. not a, batting low in a national league lineup is not the kill shot it used to be because they have the DH right. now. It used to be if you hit seventh or eighth in front of the pitcher, that was really bad because that's yeah. where lineups where rallies go to die. It's not as much of a kill shot anymore, but I think your concerns with Grissom, with the defensive change, with the Braves, the Braves are set up. They, they won a title two years ago. They have a roster. They think they're going to be in the playoffs. They're going to be a World Series contender again. They're, Grissom is not going to have a lot of wiggle room if he gets off to a slow start easily could see a demotion or maybe even they, they look into the market in the middle of the year. If Grissom isn't working out, maybe they make a move just for, you know, for a temporary rest of the season thing, a rental, that type of thing. I don't like where he's hitting. I think there's a, I think there's a lot more downside than upside here. I'm not going to be proactively drafting into Grissom, a player I'm fading and I, and I got him wrong last year. I was afraid Tommy Edmond would not keep the leadoff spot Me in too. St. Louis. He did. Yeah. But still, last three years, his OBP is 316. The Cardinals have all sorts of options. Now, now Edmund's going to keep his spot in the lineup. He's one of several outstanding defenders on the Cardinals, which is why I always love drafting their pitching staff. It didn't save Steven Matz last year, but whatever. I mean, they had five gold glovers the previous year. Edmund's glove will keep him in the lineup, and he's not a bad player. But I could easily see him batting seventh, eighth, or ninth at some point. If he gets off to a slow start, there'll be better people who fit that leadoff spot in St. Louis. I, I'm, I'm going to make the same bet. I lost it last year. I also don't think Edmund, you know, if there's more steals this year, he kind of stood out the last few yep. years because he was willing to run in a baseball game where the stolen base was depressed. He's stolen 30 plus bases the last two years, and he's a very high percentage base stealer. So he, he's yep. merited to go as often as he does. I wonder if maybe that's a little bit less value, valuable this year. He's okay at batting average, but just a slight positive there. Doesn't have the greatest power. If you draft Edmund where he's going, you need him batting first all season. I'm just concerned that he might not. Yep, that was my my exact concern last season. Uh, I think what helps Edmund from a playing time perspective, his defense is extraordinary. So he's going to stay on the field. But like you said, there's always that volume concern that he ends up lower in the lineup, may not stand out from a speed perspective with uh, what we expect to be an uptick in stolen bases. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, jumping over to players we're buying, uh, number one for me at second base, and actually, uh, spoiler alert, later on I'll say, Jazz Chisholm Jr. is my number one uh, fantasy second baseman this season. Um, and we only got a snapshot of him last year, but what we saw was unbelievable. What he put into 60 games last year, 14 home runs, 45 RBIs, 12 steals, 39 runs scored, all over 60 games. I mean, if you project that out over a full season, you are talking about a first-round level talent. Bottom line. I mean, an early first rounder, maybe, uh, of course, had that stress fracture in his back. 
um, that ended his season. Actually, he didn't play after June 28th last season, which is crazy. Um, had surgery for a torn meniscus as well, but hoping, obviously, that he shows up to spring training 100% going into his age 25 season, February 1st birthday for Jazz Chisholm. Happy birthday, Jazz. Um, but I think even underlying metrics, you look at the numbers he had last year, were, were great. Uh, barrel rate, hard hit rates way up from 2021 among players with at least 150 batted ball events last season. Chisholm was seventh in barrels per plate appearance, just behind Shohei Otani, ahead of Austin Riley, sprint speed 94th percentile. This is someone who can be 30-30 this season. And again, we talked about Vlad Jr. in our first base episode, that ceiling, that ceiling that is so so enticing to chase after. I'm doing that with Jazz Chisholm this year. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of a little disappointed to hear you say that because I was hoping I would be ahead of market on Jazz Chisholm, and maybe I'm just going to be at market. I'm going to have to elbow people out of the way if I want him. But what an exciting player! We, we love power speed combinations. We love players who are still in their 20s who haven't had their best season yet. Not the deepest Miami lineup, but it looks like Jazz is going to hit third behind a couple of OBP guys in Arias and Segura. So this should be opportunity for him to drive-in runs. We'll see how many stolen bases he keeps if he does bat third, but with a player who has the type of skills that Chisholm has, I would just give him the green light and let him run as much as he wants. So I think that's totally reasonable. The player, my target, if you're going with a vanity second baseman, and look, it's it's a thin position. I don't think there's anything wrong with attacking this position early. If you go after Jazz Chisholm early, I'm, I'm with you. Marcus Simeon, people need to understand the shape of his season last year. Okay, he signs a big contract with Texas, gets off to a horrible start. He had like five hits, it feels like, going into May. But And I realize this is going to be moving the goalposts a little bit. It's arbitrary endpoints. But if you start in the middle of May and rank all the fantasy players the rest of the season, Marcus Simeon was a first-round pick. He was a power source. He was an RBI source. He got settled. New team. You mentioned Texas is throwing a lot of resources into their team. They want to contend. They want to be a player in that very deep American League West. And you have to look at what Simeon did the last – you know, 18 to 20 weeks of the season, it was on a par with what he did his final year in Toronto. He's like a quasi-MVP candidate. And I think that poor start, and maybe he was just pressing a little bit, new team, trying to justify the big contract. Some fantasy players think it's a horrible time to buy a player or draft a player after that big contract because of these emotional changes, you know, different different living situation, maybe different school for your kids, that type of stuff. But whatever it was, once Marcus Simeon figured it out last year and got comfortable, he was a first-round talent. And his ADP right now in NFBC is in the mid-30s. I'll take him in the second round all day. I, I, he, I will have. I've already drafted him in some mock drafts, some magazine drafts. I know I'll be in on Marcus Simeon this year because even if the market, quote-unquote, corrects or gets a little bit more into Simeon, I, if his ADP is 36 right now, it's only so much higher it can go. I think he's a perfect second-round pick. So go, going a bit later in drafts, it's kind of shocking to me to see uh, Brandon Lau, his ADP at 169.47 on NFC right now. Coming off an injury-plagued year, uh, hit 221, 691 OPS, eight home runs. But we know why that happened. He dealt with lower back discomfort, tried to play through it. His back didn't respond to multiple injections, didn't play after September 11th. I mean, that is why he had the poor season. So to me, that's a mulligan. You can kind of forget it, throw it aside. This is someone who had an 870 OPS, over 287 games between 2019 and 2021 had 30 homer 39 home runs and 149 games in 2021 
The max exit velocity last year was still very good, 83rd percentile. To me, I'm throwing out last year, and I'm getting myself a value in the middle rounds. Yeah, I like it. it. It might be harder for me to make that pick only because on my most important team, we had Lau last year, and we just waited and waited and waited for him to come back. And then when he came yep. back, he wasn't productive. But you're, you're so right that when players are hurt, you have to give them mulligans. And don't do deep statistical dives to players where it's the simple – it's Occam's razor, right? The simplest solution or simplest explanation is so often correct. With Brandon Lau, it was that he was hurt. And so, yeah, and the ADP is so low on him. I think that's going to actually correct, and he'll go a round or two earlier when you get around to drafting. But still, it's a really nice price. Tampa Bay's right so often. One of my later round targets fits that same injury profile. Jonathan India was hurt last year, was horrible in the first half. Now, he did come back and had a pretty good second half. What do we get now? A player still in his 20s, a player in Cincinnati batting second. I'm thinking plus average. I'm thinking he'll hit for some power. He'll steal some bases. I I can't guarantee you the Reds will be good, but I know you want games in that ballpark because it's one of the probably other than Coors Field, probably the best place to hit in the major leagues. And, you know, India came back and showed what he can do when he was healthy, but his full season stats will keep his ADP depressed. It's a giveaway right now. I'm going to have a, if Jonathan India's price doesn't correct, he's going to be on a bunch of my rosters. So a player I'm willing to take a shot on in the late round of drafts, uh, rounds of drafts this year is Cattell Marte uh, with the Diamondbacks. I look at his current ADP, uh, 210.35 on on NFC and coming off a really bad year to hit 240, 727 OPS, 12 homers, 137 games, just five steals as well. But you look at uh, 2021, he had 318 with 14 homers over 90 games. So he's one of those players that's highly erratic. We remember the amazing season he had, what, four years ago, where he looked like a breakout five-category stud. I don't think he's that player. He just isn't. We have to adjust our expectations to that. But he is someone who's capable of making contact. I think the shift changes help him. Uh, He's still capable of hitting the ball hard. Didn't happen as much last season, uh, but also had some injuries going on his side. I I like that Diamondbacks lineup. I I think they can be sneaky good this season. And I could see Marte being right in the middle of it. And in the past where maybe he's been a disappointment relative to ADP, I think this year he has a chance to be a value. Yeah, it's very important to know the non-contend. Nobody thinks Arizona is going to contend. At least I don't. Maybe you can pitch me on that. But the, the, AL, the NL West is so deep. It's just so top-heavy. It's hard for me to see Arizona contending. But that doesn't mean we can't have fantasy value there. We, we talked about Walker being a good first round, uh, a first base pick in an earlier podcast. And I know I'm going to have good things to say about Jake McCarthy when we get around to the outfielders. So it's important to know those teams. I think Marte gets a, a mulligan for last year and he's a really good value. You know, it's not, I didn't realize, we talked a little bit about Gavin Lux earlier. I didn't realize his ADP was outside the top 200 until now. I think that's going to get corrected, but I want you in the early drafts to be one of the correct correctors on that right now 233 just skip the line by a round or two and get gavin lux on your team again he's going to be in the lineup every day batting in the middle of a dodgers you know order that we want to have a piece in he used to bat ninth and play part of the time now he's going to bat sixth and play all of the time as long as the shortstop change isn't overwhelming for him i think it's a breakout season just waiting to happen nick gordon is a name i've looked at as i've been doing some research here had a sneaky good last good year last year. Hit 272, nine homers, six deals. Gives you a little bit of everything there. I wonder, you know, following this whole Luis Arias trade, we mentioned Alex Kirilov in the in the first base episode, but I could see Gordon playing in this mix somehow. 
with the Twins this season. Plate discipline is not great, but he hits the ball surprisingly hard for someone with his body type. Uh, maybe not as fast as you would think, but he's hitting the ball harder these days and has kind of put himself back on the map for me. He's kind of a player we're going to have to watch You know, as spring training develops. We see what their lineup looks like. We see what the playing time patterns are. But for someone you can get late in the draft, 286.86 uh, on NFC, Gordon is on my radar. I like it. I think the Arias trade speaks to them feeling good about Gordon if he has to play a lot. You know, the Angels, and right next to Gordon, I'll give you one more cheap option at the position. The Angels don't look at Luis Rangifo as one of their main guys, but what's going to happen is somebody's going to get hurt. I know right now he's maybe he's going to start, maybe he's going to not start. He may bat ninth, all that. Eventually, injuries are going to happen, and we're going to look up the end of the season. We're going to be like, how did Luis Rangifo hit 22 home runs? Yep. Or how yep. did he get 570 at-bats? I, I thought he'd be like a super utility guy or you know, right. not one of their primary guys. He's going to play somewhere. And he's probably not going to bat ninth all season. And then Gordon, you mentioned, he's second base outfield eligibility. It's always nice to scoop up some extra eligibility. Ringifo sure. qualifies at second and third base. A lot of these second basemen do have position eligibility options. Now, with second base being thin, you may want to use them at second base, but it's always nice to have flexibility. Again, it's a case of, I just look at the Angels roster, it's old enough that I feel like Ringifo's going to get playing time somewhere, yep. even if it doesn't look that way on opening day. Right. I agree. Totally. Uh, so let's jump to some of these young names to keep an eye on. It's basically late round flyers, maybe waiver wire material. Uh, starting off here with Bryson Stott. Um, had a lot of hype coming into uh, opening day last season with the Phillies, but he started out extremely slow. Uh, but he hit 278, again, arbitrary endpoints, 278 over his final 70 games, packed six homers and nine steals into that time. So you project that out over a full season. You have someone pretty useful. Sprint speed, 91st percentile. Uh, he's going to play second base for the Phillies this year, Trey Turner, uh, at shortstop. Uh, and again, you know, it's a ballpark. It's pretty friendly for offense. Getting maybe 10 homers, 15 to 20 steals, decent average. I think Stock could, could surprise some people this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised. You know, he stole 12 bases last year in 127 games. And all the projection systems are giving him about the same amount of games and about the same amount of stolen bases. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. He's going to play 150 games. He's going to steal 18 to 20 bases. This is where the projection systems get it wrong because he hasn't done it before. But the Phillies are sold on him. It's a park we want to hit in. There, even without Harper, the depth of the lineup is pretty good. I, I think he's a really nice option where he's going because the playing time is already secured. And he's not a he's not powerless. He's going to hit double-digit yeah. home runs as well. So. I think this is a, if you're playing the value game at this position, which admittedly will not be me, I think he's a perfectly reasonable option. Uh, staying in the NL East here, Luis Garcia with the Nationals um, and kind of an opposite side of the spectrum from the Phillies where they're expected to contend. The Nationals are not. And I actually think that plays uh, to Garcia's favor because I think he'll get every chance this time to stick in the majors. will only be 23 years old in May. Hit 275 with seven home runs, uh, three steals in 93 games with the Nationals last season. Pretty troubling plate discipline with Garcia. Uh, drew just 11 walks and 360 plate appearances, but made a decent amount of contact. I think he can hit for average. Uh, pretty good pop, tiny bit of speed as well. But most important thing, volume. He's going to be in that lineup every day. I think he's someone who's kind of a little more of a deeper league option, but I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet. The key for him, for Garcia, for me, is where does he bat? Right now, 
He's projected to hit seventh, but you know, with, with Lane Thomas and CJ Abrams at the top of the lineup, there's no guarantee that that's going to yeah. be how they roll out the lineup on opening day. Man, it's hard to believe Washington won the World Series not that long ago because this is one of the worst lineups in baseball. They're going to get trampled in the National yeah. League East where there's three yeah. superpowers and Miami's not a bad team. So it looks like Washington's ticketed for last place. So I'm just worried with Garcia, I would need him to bat first or second just to get those extra at-bats and maybe even the extra impetus for him to run. If right. he hits in the bottom third of a lineup I don't like, I'd be less likely to go after him. But again, look, you're talking about somebody who could be one of your last picks. It could be somebody you call up on the waiver wire when injuries hit or somebody you pick up when your IL spots give you some flexibility. You're not asking for him to be a savior by any means, but I'm just worried that this Washington team could be maybe the worst team in the National League. Oh, they're going to be rough. No, no doubt about that. Um, final one for me, and this is really digging deep, Jonathan Aranda with the Rays. Um, put up some really big numbers in AAA last year. Hit 318, 18 home runs, 915 OPS. Uh, didn't replicate in the majors. Hit just 192 uh, with a 596 OPS. Small sample, 32 games. Uh, exit velocity was consistently solid. I, I think if anything, that was uh, a good sign for me. There's opportunity there with the Rays as well. They traded G-Man Choi uh, during the offseason. Uh, Isaac Paredes is also figuring in there, but you know how the Rays love to mix and match. I think there's going to be opportunity for Ronda. Also qualifies at multiple positions. I think if you're looking for a potential late round reserve pick breakout, Ronda is that guy. Yeah, he could be. Yeah, you know, we always think of streaming as a pitching strategy, but it's also possible to stream hitters. Aranda may be in the heavy side of a platoon, so he may be like if you're in a weekly lineup league, you may look at him and say, "Oh, Tampa Bay's against all righties this week. I can play Aranda." And and also, whenever you're whenever you're betting with Tampa Bay, right? The, as you said, they they move Troy. That's obviously with an eye towards Aranda being a, a quasi regular for them. Tampa Bay's right so often that when when they're betting on a player, it's probably a good idea to bet on him too, at least for the reasonable returns. Aranda, more of a deep league, as I mentioned, a streamer, you know, a DFS play once in a while, American League only pick, all that stuff, because he's not going to play probably against left-handed pitching. But when the schedule lines up favorably, he'll he'll be again. I want to do what I want to believe. If Tampa Bay believes in somebody, if Tampa Bay bets on somebody, I'm likely to do the same. I, I think at the current buy-in, Aranda's set up to give you a profit because I the Rays are right so often. I agree. I agree. Um, so let's jump into our top 12 uh, for second base. Uh, I'll set you up here. Uh, Scott, you can do 12 through six, and then I'll do the same. Yeah, Von Grissom, who we, we both were afraid to draft, did sneak into my top 12. I don't think I'll draft into him. I don't know how healthy Max Muncy will be. Really good player when healthy, but he's a little bit concerning for me. Jonathan India is my 10th ranked second baseman, and I mentioned earlier somebody I'm going to draft into. Brandon Lau, really tough guy after a lost season, but the ADP is cheap. I think maybe it's the right time to get back on that horse. Jorge Polanco, one of the most underrated players in Minnesota and probably a good value. He's second baseman eight for me. Gleyber Torres, who's had a really up and down all over the map career. I don't really know what to do with Torres, but he's number seven on my current list. And although I do have Tommy Edmonds number six, it speaks to this position not being very deep. We talked earlier about concerns. He may not be the long-term leadoff hitter in St. Louis, so I probably won't draft him where I ranked him, but it's not a very deep position. So Tommy Edmond, you're number six. All right, number 12 for me, Cattell Marte, who I mentioned a little bit earlier while, why I like him. Jonathan India, we agree. I think he's a, he's a very uh, solid buy-low pick after the season he had last year. Uh, Max Muncy, I have at number 10. 
I was encouraged with what we saw down the stretch with him. Obviously, trying to play through that elbow injury early last season didn't do him any favors, but uh, I think he'll get back on track this year. Another player who could benefit from these shift changes. Jorge Polanco, I have at number nine. Uh, Brandon Lau, I have at number eight, and I talked about him a little bit already. Glaber Torres, I think, is actually a pretty undervalued option going into this season. And last year, his quality of contract, contact metrics were better than ever. I think there's a reason to buy on Torres. And he also was pretty active stolen base-wise, which I think was a good sign. I also have Tommy Edmond at number six, just that bankable speed. And like I said, the excellent defense, going to keep him in the lineup every day. The question is where he's going to hit in that lineup there in St. Louis, but I have Edmund at six as well. You know, Torres, one good thing for Torres is right now he's projected to hit leadoff for the Yankees in, in head of Aaron Judge. That's the Catbird seat. So maybe I, yeah. I may bounce him over Edmund before we get into the teeth of draft season. Top five, Andres Jimenez, part of a underrated Cleveland lineup and had a really good season, actually snuck into the MVP discussion as a down-ballot guy. I think he'll come back a little bit to earth this year, yeah. but still reasonable where he's going. Ozzy Albies, yeah, yeah, a lot of swing and miss in his game, but he offers category juice and an Atlanta lineup we want to invest in. We talked about Jazz Chisholm. He's my number three first baseman, but you could really take him anywhere, one, two, or three. And him and Jose Altuve was a really tough pick for me, two and three. In fact, I think after this podcast, I'll probably bounce uh, Chisholm up. Just I want to go with the younger player, the ascending player. Uh, Altuve is at a point where I don't know how much we can bank on him continuing to run. And I'm, uh, we don't fully agree on this. Not that you're dissing Marcus Simeon at all, but he's my pound-the-table pick. Take him around earlier than ADP. I think you'll be very happy you did. So I have Andres Jimenez also at number five, and I have the same questions. I, I think he's going to fall back a little bit. I have some questions about the power upside there. I think he's going to—he's capable of running a bit more. He should hit for average, but I think he'll come back a little bit to the pack this year. So I might fade him slightly uh, this season, but I still have him at number five. Ozzy Albies, I mean, again, we talked earlier about giving mulligans to, to players who were injured. I mean, that's that's Albies from what he did last year. And if he's healthy, you know, he's going to be solid. He can give you t- uh, 20 steals, 30 homers. He could do that easily and uh, might actually look like a value uh, based on his current ADP. I have Marcus Simeon at number three, and that's not really a criticism. I, I mean, what he did last year after that slow start, like you mentioned, was – Basically, expectations. That's what we were expecting from Marcus Semien. I think he'll still be very good. I, I just think that these top three options at second base are all very, very solid. It gets it gets dark from there. But uh, Jose Altuve, I have at number two. Can he go 18 for 19 in the stolen base attempts again? Probably not. But I, I still really like that Astros lineup. The power that he showed last year. You know, he's going to score a ton of runs. You know, he's going to be 33 in May. But to me. He's one of those kind of players that can age gracefully. I, I still like Altuve a lot. And I already went over my Jazz Chisholm love. Uh, his ADP is 48.29, so that's actually behind Altuve and Semyon in drafts. But uh, I think if Chisholm can stay healthy, man, I, I think the sky's the limit for, for Chisholm. The Marlins lineup, not great, like you said. But if he gets a little bit of help there, counting stats-wise, I think he could be a first-round pick next year. Totally agree. I'll give you one silver lining with this shallow position. Things are deeper at shortstop. So if you play in the standard format where you have a second baseman, a shortstop, and a utility middle, you'll probably be able to fill that with two shortstops. So if you do get a Jose Altuve, you do get a Marcus Simeon, you do get a Chaz Chisholm, 
you may be able to turn the page on second base completely and just attack shortstop for the rest of your middles. Yeah, I like that. That that is a good idea. And we'll get into shortstop next time as as we continue to go around the horn here. Scott, thanks again for for joining me as we continue this series. Uh, and like I said, a programming note here. Up next is third base and shortstop in our series. So look for that next week. Make sure to subscribe uh, to the show so you stay up to date during this series. Also, uh, be sure to rate and review if you like what you're hearing. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski on Twitter. I'm at DJ Short. You can follow us there. Take care. We'll see you next time.